What's up, everybody? Thanks for stopping by. Uh, today's episode, or this week's episode that I'm releasing, is with my friend Pam Topjian. And Pam has a uh, website called hypnobreakthrough.com. Pam is a hypnotherapist. And she's also friends with one of my uh, former uh, guests on the show, LC, who runs this uh, Recovery Soul Food podcast. And so I had Pam on the show because she started watching my show when I was doing my live streams and she got into the show and I decided to have her on as a guest because the hypnotherapy was kind of an interesting uh, thing for me. I actually tried a 15 minute session with her and wasn't successful, not because of her, but just me thinking too much, uh, you know, that doesn't seem to work well with, uh, you know, you're, you're supposed to let go and just give in to, or surrender to the, to the process or, or to the, I don't, whatever it is you call it. And it didn't work for me. And I, you know, I'm gonna try, I'll try it again. Uh, I'll try anything again. <laughs> I'll try anything twice. Um, but yeah, it's a great episode. Uh, do me a favor and check it out. I'm doing this part right here because I switched over to Anchor a while back, and in Anchor, you can't, if I want to upload the video, and the video goes straight over to Spotify, it doesn't allow me to do anything else with, because it, it strips the audio out, but it doesn't allow me to add anything to that audio um, when it goes over to Anchor, and so I have to do this first and add it into the video uh, and then it'll, I can upload it and then it'll strip all this stuff out. And so if you're listening to this, uh, on any of the podcast platforms or players, I want to be able to get into this part where I can contextualize a little bit about, you know, what's going on and, and to update, we're getting close to the holidays. And for those of you who've been following the show and are, are fans of the show and are, you know, enjoy what I'm doing and putting out there. Thank you. I appreciate it. Honestly, it means a lot to me. Um, also two happy holidays. If I don't, uh, publish anything else, <laughs> which could be possible, I'm, I'm working full time again now. So thank God for that. I was starting to stress out a little bit, man. Shit was getting tight around here. I mean, it still is tight, but I mean, it was like, I'm thinking, <laughs> fuck, what can I sell? Like, can I sell my ass? Can I sell this? Can I, you know, how much can I get for that? Um, you know, you get into that, that mode of like, you know, what can I do to, to, you know, plug the holes of this ship that's getting ready to sink so good good news on that front you know things are starting to you know look a little bit better on the financial situation so that's one less thing i have to worry about um although i did you know i i, I was sick with covid last year this time and i got sick again the same time and so i'm fighting a cough you probably hear it in me you know uh and i'm a little bit under the weather so I'm trying to deal with that too. Um, so this conversation, um, we started out with my normal, you know, conspiracy type shit ish. Um, and then we got into her story. And then after that, we got into a discussion uh, about tra a transgender discussion. And that was interesting. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, in my opinion, you can do whatever you want. I don't really care. You know, if you're gay, you're lesbian, you're trans, you're whatever the hell it is that you are. And if that makes you happy, 
by all means, keep doing it. My only problem is, is when it starts to spill over into like making me have to do more than that, do more than just be okay with you doing whatever you want to do, as long as it doesn't affect me or, or, you know, doesn't hurt anybody else. You know, I don't care. But when you start imposing things like I have to change my language in order to appease you, or I have to be okay with my daughter being taught about these things by a school and not by me. And when me and her mother are ready for her to, to be exposed to that, you know, I don't think it belongs in the schools. I think it doesn't, it belongs nowhere else, but with the parents. And so those views are troubling to some people. And those views sometimes get you canceled uh, just for even wanting to have the conversation. I've gotten into it with some trans folks on Clubhouse, um, you know, just by asking simple questions that they don't have an answer for. But what the answer they do have is usually going for personal attacks. Uh, this individual went onto my Instagram account, which is, I don't know where I have that one because it got hacked, but she went onto the Instagram account, started looking through my Instagram and then saying that my daughter's ugly or, or, you know what I mean? Just, just going to get personal attacks. It's like, okay, you can't answer my question. So you want to attack me personally. So that's somehow going to derail the conversation and, and make you look better. As a matter of fact, it makes you look stupid when you do that because you're deflecting and you're not following the facts and you're not you're just basing you have baseless shit so and that was just with this individual you know and then i also have a trans sibling who you know i'm not really on speaking terms with right now and it has nothing to do with her lifestyle choices it has more to do with um well anyways that's really not about this this is about this is about the conversation that i had with my friend pam and, you know, we did get into to some some talk, a, a transgender talk, and I thought it was a good conversation. And, you know, it's it, it, two people who aren't, but no people that are. So, yeah, um, as far as however else I feel, if, if you want to know, go over to my anchor page, ask me a question. I have a voicemail there. You can voicemail me and tell me all about how you think maybe I'm I'm wrong or that my views are horrible or that maybe I'm a, a transphobe or or I'm a racist or you know maybe I'm a I'm a, a, a right wing nut job. I've been called that too, even though I'm not Republican or Democrat. I can't stand either side. So I don't know. Uh, I'm just a curious person who has questions and, and, you know, is not afraid to ask them and is not afraid to, to tell you exactly how I feel about it. Um, you know, if you want to cancel me, feel free, go for it. It's I've been to prison. I have, I've kept myself in prison. I've been in prison, even out of prison. So just, you can't do anything to me if you really wanted to, even if you wanted to. And if you did, I really wouldn't fucking care. So that's the, that's the difference. You know, in order to cancel somebody, the person has to give a shit about if you're going to try and cancel them to begin with. And that I don't because I'm nobody. I'm just a guy that has a big mouth sometimes and has a podcast and, you know, went through some shit, has a pretty big story. 
uh, of what I went through in my past and, and how I got to where I am now. But I mean, aside from that, I'm just trying to navigate this shit just like the rest of you. We're in some crazy ass times. And I mean, that's about all I can say. There's just some some crazy shit going on that we got to sort through as a society and figure out, you know, what the fuck is up and what's down, what's right, what's left, because everything is opposites right now. And that's really what it seems like. And I feel that all the time in a lot of different spaces that I that I, you know, go through and go into. So anyways, I didn't mean to uh, you know, derail this into like a rah, 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 rah. But um, yeah, I hope you enjoy the episode and the conversation because I did having it and I did enjoy listening back to it. So with that being said, keep it 100. Stay true to yourself because everything else is just noise. What's up, everybody? This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. All right, got another good interview for you this evening, and it is evening. It's 6 o'clock on Monday, uh, uh, January 10th, 2022, and I have for you, the listeners, Pamela Topjian, and Pamela's a good, I, I, she's a, a fan of the show, that's where I first met her from. And then uh, I had another individual on my show, uh, Lona Curry. And she was definitely, she's uh, was friends with him. And it was, uh, it just kind of went from there. And then, I, you know, she does hypnotherapy. Uh, she's also got a story to share for us, a little bit of backstory and, and kind of how she got to where she is. And she wrote a book, uh, which I'm jealous because I don't have no book. <laughs> I, I, I think about writing a book all the time. I just never get around to doing it. Uh, maybe one of these days, though. So when I come back from the um, uh, intro, we'll be talking with Pamela. In the meantime, uh, if you're getting anything out of this show, uh, do me a favor, share, like, do all the things that you got to do. Um, I'm not really that big into promoting and, and all that stuff. If you find the show, you find the show. Uh, hopefully if you have found the show, you're enjoying the content that you're getting and do me a favor, give it a like, uh, share it. Uh, if you want to help support the show monetarily, that always helps too. Uh, there's plenty of ways to do that and it'll be all in the show notes or the description of this. And, uh, yeah, when we come back, we'll talk to Pamela Topjian. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin.
Hey, Pamela. How's it going? Hi. <laughs> Thanks good for coming by and hanging out. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you so, so much. Like you said, I've been a fan of the show for a while. And uh, one thing that I want to say is, again, in your intro that I heard, you know, if you want transparency and authenticity, you know, you're in the right place. And that's what really drew me to your podcast is just how open you were and how, you know, willing you were to be vulnerable. And that was just really struck me as something different from a lot of others that I've seen. So, so I want to thank, well, thank you, you for that. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, there's, I think, I think, you know, we're lacking that quite a bit mm -hmm. in society, in our systems, in our governments. I mean, there, you know, if Absolutely. more people were transparent and authentic, and you know truly doing things uh in in light instead of darkness right. uh we would be in a completely different place absolutely couldn't agree more <laughs> and hopefully i mean you know as people are are waking up um slowly but surely you know i notice it all the time you know people that i thought were over here are now starting to trickle over here because you yeah. know things just don't make sense you know, and I'm not yeah. going to get into any of that, uh, you know, right. can, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, sure. it's, it's a, it's a dividing time. It's a confusing time these last few years for sure. Yeah. And you know, my, my family is split apart because of it and you know, it, uh, it, it's what they want, you know, it's easy. It's easier to, you know, when you divide, it's easier to conquer. You know, and it's always been about that. You know, even when they talk about racism and all this other stuff, it's not, it's never been about racism. It's always been about classism. They just hide classism behind racism. Yeah. Well, there's so much into it. Yeah. It's a rabbit yeah. hole for sure. <laughs> so anyways, that's not why we're here. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're here to talk about you and, you know, uh, a little bit of your, your backstory and, you know, how you got into um, you know, hypnotherapy, that's an interesting, uh, interesting thing. I mean, I tried to do it once for 15 minutes and, <laughs> right. but it's, yeah, I was, there was so much going on around me that I, there was, I couldn't even concentrate. So, yeah. And I don't know if I'm a, I'm a good candidate for that. Cause you have to, you ha really have to, to be a candidate to, to be hypnotized. Right. Well, it's not necessarily about concentrating. In fact, that might be the problem. It's more about letting go more about not concentrating, <laughs> just letting go make, and letting yeah. the facilitator guide you. So, well, then that yeah. would explain a lot because <laughs> I'm a control freak. And there you go. <laughs> like I have to be in control of like a lot of different things. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's annoying, um, you know, yeah. to me and it's annoying to the people around me sometimes too. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when uh, noticing that, but you know, I'm getting better. Uh, <laughs> ish control freak maybe you know leadership skills right <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, maybe maybe i mean i've always been a leader i just led people in the wrong direction yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that's not a good thing you know no. they have places for people that like to do that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so let's uh let, let's get a little bit back in, into your backstory and uh you know let everybody know who who's pamela top Jen and uh why did you write a book 
and what were what are some of the the things that uh, you, you had to deal with? I mean, is there ever a, a place that you found yourself in your life with nowhere to go but up? Yeah, yeah, and uh, absolutely. So, um, you know, like you said, my name is Pamela Topchin. I am in uh, Northern California, and um, I am married for the third time to a more loving, respectful relationship after two toxic and abusive husbands. And I had a lot of childhood trauma growing up, um, which included neglect and um, date rapes and sexual assaults and losing a sibling to um, a car accident and just moving around a lot, and we were evicted a lot because of the poverty and the moving around a lot and all of that. So um, I didn't get any kind of therapy until I was 50, and um, I didn't realize until that time how much my childhood had influenced the rest of my life, which also kind of continued on why I was in those um, toxic relationships and and you know, not really being able to stand up for myself or feeling like I had any say in my life or anything, you know. So that's what led me to. Well, um, first of all, I should say that I'm a licensed nurse that changed careers to hypnotherapy, and um, so I went into nursing. I've always been somewhat, you know, I've been helping people a lot throughout my life as much as I could. But um, with nursing, it was just too, uh, you know, I don't want to bash the whole career or the whole field or anything, but a lot of changes need to happen. And not only was I burning out after being in the marriage that I was, um, with that husband who was, um, he was a drug addict, he was an alcoholic, he was abusive, and in and out of psych wards and everything, Um, and also I was doing 16 hour shifts in nursing, (laughs) so it was just too much. So, um, but between that and between wanting to do something that felt more real in the way of healing, I went to a holistic healing course, which is where I found hypnotherapy. And that was 2010. And that's where I started with hypnotherapy. But I didn't really start doing it full time until the pandemic, until 2020. So I went for more education and became certified. And I realize now that everything that I've been through from 2010 to 2020, having that abusive um, husband, getting away from that, and um, going through therapy myself, uh, after that breakdown after during that time has made me better hypnotherapist than I would have been had I been able to start in 2010. Mm-hmm. So, um, so as far as the breakdown, whereas, you know, I had nowhere to go, but up was, um, after I left that second husband, the one that was physically abusive and the one that was a alcoholic drug addict and everything. Um, after I left him, I thought, oh, good, I'm free. I'm living on my own. This is going to be awesome. But 
I guess it was PTSD, which I didn't realize at the time. And at the time also, I didn't even factor in my childhood trauma into what was going on within me. But I just really crashed. And I was suicidal. I was fearful all the time. I had night terrors and everything. And I couldn't, I could barely function. And so that was my really low point. And that's when I was living in Missouri. And that's when I got on a bus with a one-way ticket for a three-day ride from Missouri to California. And, uh, and why, since why, then, Cal why California? I don't know, really. You know, I never thought about living in California, but I have always hated the snow. And I lived in Upper <laughs> Michigan for 15 years. And, and I actually had a friend in Missouri who was thinking of doing the same thing and suggested, why don't we go to California? And so when I mentioned to my landlord that I may be um, leaving before the end of the lease and talking to, that, to them about that, and this was the end of June or middle of June, and they said, um, can you be out in two weeks? <laughs> I was like, well, I'll try. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> so um, I just, I sold everything, gave everything away. I... Um, you know, I got a bus ticket. I found a way to, I was doing house sitting jobs and pet sitting jobs and caretaking jobs and things like that. So I could come here and do something without having to have a bunch of money right away to, you know, have my own apartment and everything. And I wasn't even sure I was going to get back into nursing at that point, but I knew that if I needed to, it would be really easy to get a nursing job here. And this is before the pandemic, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, this is 2016, I believe, when I got on that bus. <laughs> but a funny story from the bus. Um, so I was really pretty numb. I was like, I had been suicidal. I had been very fearful. I was just not myself. I didn't really care about myself. You know, I thought, well, if something happens to me, what do I care? You know, um, I didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. This was kind of a last ditch effort, you know? And, um, so I get on the bus and I just sit in front and I know I've got a long ride ahead of me. So this person comes on the bus, they look almost homeless and, you know, just really disheveled and kind of dirty. And, um, they were jabbering away and I was just like, you know, smiling nicely. I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to, you know, be mean, or anything. So I just was smiling nicely and nodding at them. And he had a water bottle and he spills it on my seat. And there was alcohol in the water bottle. <laughs> and so I'm like, I can't believe it. You know, why me? I leave this alcoholic, you know, I think everything's going to be great, but I crash, you know, I'm just at the lowest point of my life. And, um, and then this person sits next to me and spills their drink on me the first day of the bus ride, of three-day bus ride. <laughs> I know, I know. So I stand up right away because my seat's all wet. And this man starts rubbing on my rear end, trying to get the wet off or whatever he was trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, are you kidding me? I could not believe it. It's it's so funny, but at the time it was just like unbelievable. I just couldn't believe it. 
So like, anyway, what else can go wrong? Right, right. What else? Let's just crash, you know. <laughs> um, so we went to a stop and um, I had to ask the bus driver if I could get my suitcase because they had said that, you know, in the beginning when they were putting the stuff in, they said, you can't get your things. So whatever you need to carry on, carry on with you because we're not letting people go in, you know, to the luggage area under the bus until your final destination. So this was my first day and I had three days. And so I had to plead with them to let me. And I told them what happened and you could see the back of my jeans were all wet. And um, and <laughs> then so he let me and I was able to change. But they didn't let the guy back on the bus either. And it was a little bit empowering. And I, and I kind of feel like this is part of the very beginning of why that happened. You know, being able to see why things happened was I had to say something. I didn't, I cared more about me than I did that person, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was the first time probably that I kind of stood up for myself, you know? So, <laughs> so that's kind of a funny story. <laughs> yeah. That would suck on the first, the first day of that. It's like, geez, you know, yeah. but yeah, whatever can go wrong sometimes will. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, it's kind of like, so then when I, when I got here and I started doing a few, you know, like I said, caretaking jobs, pet sitting, house sitting, um, all of that, um, I still was very, you know, anxious, very still suicidal and everything. And I went to, um, started therapy then. And I was able to not have to go punch a clock and be in any kind of a job that was going to be dangerous for other people, you know. Um, or have to even deal with people, um, you know, very much anyway. And uh, so when I went for therapy, that's when I heard the words, you know, neglect, PTSD, CPTSD. And I was really surprised that 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 was describing me. And I had no idea at that point. When I went for therapy, it was because I thought, you know, why am I so anxious? You know, I, I, left this man, I'm no longer in danger. You know, why am I suicidal? Why am I doing all this when I should be feeling, you know, top of the world now? And that's why I went for therapy. And, um, and then it turns out that's when I found out all this childhood stuff really related to the rest of my life, and why I was crashing now. And um, so, to me, that was way too late to find that out, you know, to realize all this stuff. And so, um, so that's when, that's part of why I do what I do, you know, because a lot of that childhood trauma stuff is what people get stuck in life from. And a lot of people don't even realize it, you know, and they get stuck and they stay there and they just can't move forward or they stay in these abusive relationships or they turn to substance abuse and, um, you know, or self-harm or, you know, or they are, you know, contemplating suicide and that. And so I just want people to realize that no matter what you're going through or what you have been through, you can go on to, you know, really live your, you know, your dream, really. I mean, and to me, it's been so amazing. Like, I can't even believe it that I'm just like checking off my goals, living my life, you know, more than I could have ever imagined, you know, just, just reaching my dreams. And it's just, it's, 
almost too amazing to be true. <laughs> you know? yeah. So that's you, why you, you I pinch wrote yourself. And you're like, Hey, is this real? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Am I really here? <laughs> right. And that's part of the book is like, you know, that's like solidifies it. It's like, yeah, look, this is what, this is my life and this is what happened. And, and this is where I am now. And um, so that's part of why I wrote that book. It's like, it is like pinching myself to have that physical, you know, to have it all down and to have, you know, not gone to the grave without getting it all out there, you know, and also to, you know, have, um, you know, to have something that might inspire others, people that might not know me or might not, you know, go for hypnotherapy. Um, It might be a good inspiration for somebody to know that it can and it does get better, no matter even if you're in your 30s, 40s or 50s or however old you are, it's not too late, you know, not too late to change your life totally around. So, yeah, Yeah, it's crazy (laughs) is that it it seems like the first half of our lives is is filled with, you know, the trauma and, and, and struggle and strife and, and bad decisions and, you know, Mm -hmm. what comes from that. And then we spend the second half of our life trying to recover from that. Right. Right. You You know, know, and and learning how to live. Right. I almost titled the book that the first 50 years are just practice. That was the (laughs) other title I was kind of, kind of going with because I started writing it when I was 50 and I'm 55 now. So it took five years in the writing to get from start to, to publishing. And um, so, yeah, that was one of the titles I was thinking of. So, yeah. That's a long process. So how long did it actually take you to write the book? Well, like I said, five years. So, but I did sometimes, you know, put it away for a little while. It was very emotionally taxing, of course, you know, um, it was very, sometimes I didn't remember things and some people would tell me, you know, people tell me now that I could never remember all that, you know, and I thought about that with other books that I read, other sort of life stories and memoirs that I've read. I thought, how could you remember all that? Um, But as you write it, you remember, like as you're going through, if you're at a point, you know, if you're going kind of chronologically, like I did, you come to a point that you're like, what happened there? Or, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I just, you, you can't pinpoint things. So you either ask friends or family members, or you just put it away and you just kind of contemplate it for a while or you leave space and then you go on but it comes to you you know and if it doesn't there's still enough there that you don't have to add it but um yeah and one thing that was really interesting to me that there was a time um well two times but one thing my sister i said something about when my sister, our oldest sister had passed away in a car accident. And I said something to the, my other older sister, who was the middle child, about remembering something around that time or before that time. And she said, you know, weren't you in foster care? Didn't she, her exact words were, didn't mom farm you out? Which to me was like, that's such weird wording. How could you say that? <laughs> but, <laughs> but she said, you know, she thought I wasn't even there. Which to me was like so telling because like I was so far removed from my sister's lives because I was four years younger than the middle child, five years younger than the um, oldest child. And um, I was just so alone all the time. And they were teens when our parents divorced and I was young 
And so they went off and did their thing. And I was alone a lot of the time, most of the time and hungry most of the time. And, um, you know, and they weren't even aware that I was around, (laughs) you know, but, um, another thing, um, oh yeah. So another thing I think I'm talking about the memory. So as I'm writing the book, I was up to the point of the second marriage and I knew this was going to be a hard one because I was still having like nightmares occasionally and still being triggered by things occasionally, even though I had been through therapy. Um, so, so as I was writing it, I was up to that point of like the time before I left, like that's when he physically attacked me and I was knocked unconscious and everything. And I didn't really remember exactly what happened that night, you know, just exactly what happened. I remembered bits of it. So then as I'm writing this and I was up to that point and it was really difficult that night, I had a nightmare and I got up and it was like the middle of the night and I got up and I started writing because it was all coming back to me. I started writing, writing, writing. I was like, just, you know, with just handwriting, just got up and wrote it all out and then, you know, went back to bed. And in my book, I have, you know, a page or a page and a half of what I wrote exactly word for word that night in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. So it all came back to me. And I had been having, like I said, I've been having some nightmares up to that point. But I was also having like flashbacks, you know, it was like, even in the middle of the day, it was like, I could remember, you know, being hit on the head or, or, you know, remember, you know, laying on the closet floor and, and him kicking me and stuff. And it's like, it's just like a flash, you know, just like they mm-hmm. said, a flashback. And I never had had anything like that before. And it was very like, wow, you know, it was like I even had it driving, had that happen to me driving. So, so that's, you know, you remember things. It might not always be the best, but you remember it as you write it out. Now, having remembered it and, you know, being triggered like that, I imagine that it had to be somewhat healing in the same sense. Oh gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, that's another thing people say, I don't want to remember it all. I don't want to go through all that again, you know, but they did want, you know, people want to write their story, but they are scared of having to go through that all again, which is understandable, Mm -hmm. but oh my gosh, it's so healing. I did go through therapy, but writing the book to completion has been really, really therapeutic in itself. Absolutely. You get it out of yourself and it's like, okay, now it's down. Now it's down, you know, now it's in, you know, it's tangible, it's here, it's written out. It's not like I have to remember so that, you know, you know, you want to remember so you don't repeat things or you want to remember in case you're ever, you know, asked or anything, or or I have two adult children and they don't know the whole of my life story. But, and, you know, they're iffy on even reading it, but um, I did, they know all about it. You know, they know that I've written it and everything. Um, And all the names are changed in the book, uh, even my own, even though I have, you know, the author name is my own name. It's not a pen name. So anybody that knows me would know who the people are, but Mm -hmm. anybody else wouldn't, you know? So, um, but yeah, so then you have it all down sort of like, you know, so if I ever have any grandchildren 
or even down way down the road, you know, can be like, you know, my, my great, great, great grandma, this is her story. This is what she had been through. And, and look, she made it out. And, you know, so it's kind of like, it feels like now it's, it's all there. So you can kind of get it off of your chest and, you know, out of the back of your mind a little bit, because it's all there now, you know, so it's very, yeah, you're, yeah, you're taking it out of yourself and you're putting it into something else and releasing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a release, absolutely. You're releasing it to the world and saying, yeah, now it's your problem. <laughs> right, now it's your problem. <laughs> you deal with it. <laughs> um, that's awesome, man. So what, what's the name of the book? It is, I Didn't Come This Far to Only Come This Far. And I have it in I, front of me here. I Didn't Come This Far to Only Come This Far. Yeah. Nice. So you, is this going to be in an audio book too? You know, I would like to have it in an audio book. Um, it is if on you do, Kindle. I'll narrate it for you. You will? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a woman's story. but. <laughs> oh, yeah. You might need a woman to do that, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm trying to get into doing uh, audio, audio book narration. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's a great idea. You've got a great voice for it. Yeah, I think sure. so. I think, you know, it, it can be very melodic and, and mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> whatever. Strong voice. Yep. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is that narration is more acting mm. because you have to, you have to move with the, with the story and the yeah. different intonations and, you know, voila, yeah. whoa. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. To go along with the emotions of it. Yeah. I didn't think about so, that. Yeah. yeah, so it's a little bit it's a little bit different. See, it, it uh, but I mean, it's definitely something I can do. I've been mimicking people my whole life ever since <laughs> I was in school. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that'll work out fine. Um, <laughs> so tell me a little bit about this. Uh, you're you're you got the book. You wrote mm-hmm. that, and you're also doing something with uh, with Lona Curry, right? From, yeah. Uh, from yeah. the podcast. What, what's what's his podcast? Well, he has recovery soul food and he also has transgender mentor. So he's a busy okay. guy too, like you. <laughs> and he works. You know? Yeah, so, I could imagine he, doing too. I know, I know. Um, so, and on his recovery soul food, his first one, he did season, he just started season four and the first one back, he had Tommy Chong on. So really? that's awesome. So yeah, you need to go watch that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. How do you, how do you manage that one? Well, he is on a project with um, Eric McCoy, where they do, um, what is that one called? Uh, Walk a Mile in My Shoes, I think it is, okay. or Official Walk a Mile, or something like that with Eric McCoy, who also has a few podcasts. But, um, but so they had Tommy Chong on there. And so then from there, Lona was able to get him on Recovery Soul Food. It was really That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. 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 So He's an interesting um, guy. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so I, so, um, he's transgender male and he has transgender mentor. Um, he does, you know, group coaching and speeches and sensitivity training and stuff like that as well. But, um, we had talked on recovery soul food. We are great friends. We'd talked a lot otherwise. And he asked me to be on, um, transgender mentor as, you know, assist, gendered female, uh, you know, you know, a little older too, so that, you know, more people my age might be 
um, drawn to it to know, you know, if you had two people that were transgender on there, you know, the general public might not be as open to watching it, you know, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or listening in. So um, kind of to have a, an alternative perspective there, you know, or an alternate perspective there. So, and we, you know, we really get along really well. And, um, and so, so I started co-hosting with him and we're on every Sunday on Transgender Mentor. Um, Sundays at eight Eastern and it's on YouTube and it's also on Anchor, Spotify. Um, but from li- that. Is it a live stream? It is. He does it live. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to I used to do it live and it just seemed it, it's 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 really difficult to set that up because you got to have all of the the description and everything else and then the picture yeah. all that stuff for for mine like mm-hmm. had to be done and it's like god I just don't have I don't know where I can squeeze all this in at and yeah. so I found myself constantly put, you know having to do it at the last minute and it's just like you know what this is too yeah. much yeah, I think, though, you know, if you think about any editing that you're doing, and depending on the guest, I'm sure, whether you have much editing or not, really, but all that you put, all the work you put into it after the recording is, you know, might be equal to what you did, you know, if you had it live. But, um, but yeah. But I, but I that's, I that's on my time. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that's where the difference is. It's like, yeah you know when i like if we scheduled i had two of these so i would have mm-hmm. to to build two uh descriptions and 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 all of that right. and put the ske- and schedule them in and so it's uh, you yeah. know it, that takes sometimes it takes up to like if to do two of them probably would be, it's about 4 hours yeah like getting yeah. all of everything <laughs> that i want to say on there you know making sure everything's good all the links are yeah. you know line up to where they're supposed to go uh, and then, you know, yeah. it just, it, there's just, uh, I, I, I need more time. Yeah. I need more hours. Yeah. I need more hours in the day. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I've done a few podcasts and I'm, you know, the co-host with him. Um, but I've never, you know, been on the, on that side of it and I, I don't want to be, so it's not something that I, you know, have any aspirations to do. <laughs> there's You're so many out there. Nothing. <laughs> I know it's a lot of work and it's kind of a tireless <laughs> job, but, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I literally, I have so much content that I haven't even put out Yeah, from, from a year ago, you know, that just never got into. And the funny thing is, is that it's still relevant today. Yeah. Good, because the good. stuff we were, this, the stuff we were talking about back mm-hmm. then was the beginning of the, the pandemic. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well, two years later, and we're still here. <laughs> still here, yeah. <laughs> that might make it more interesting, to, though. <laughs> yeah, right on the on the brink of going back to March of 2020. Yeah. D- depend depending on what state you're in. Yeah. Jeez. So yeah, for sure, it's uh, definitely interesting. But you know, uh, I definitely don't have don't have a. <laughs> Uh, I'm not. I'm not lacking content. Let's just say that it's just right, right. time to produce it. Right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> so with working with him, one of the things that really struck me that I learned is that the children, so people that are under 25, the ones that um, attempt suicide or are victims of suicide. Most of them are from the LGBTQ community, and out of all of them, most of them are transgender. 
So these are the people, the youth, that are having the highest rates of suicide. So that really struck me and how important this was and how so many people don't know that. And then there's the Trevor Project, which is like a suicide prevention for LGBTQ youth. And um, I started to do some training with them to do um, to do the crisis hotlines with them before the holidays. And then I ended up going to see my mother and I wasn't able to finish that. And so I asked them, would I be able to pick up after the holidays? So they said the end of January, I could pick up again where I was. So, um, so I'm still in the training for that. So I'm not doing that yet, but because of all of that, I'm starting in that as well. So it's so been do, really a big you, impact. So why do you think that is? I mean, what do you, what do you think is driving that? Well, because a lot of parents don't really understand. A lot of parents will kick people out once they say, you know, children or children, you know, children meaning teens, you know, but even like, you know, six-year-olds, 10-year-olds have tried to, you know, attempt suicide um, because they don't feel whole within themselves. They don't feel like themselves. It's, it's hard to imagine, you know, that you don't feel like you're the person you see in front of the mirror, you know, like I'm very comfortable being a female. I always have been kind of a girly girl, but, you know, I can't imagine not feeling, you know, other than the time that I felt numb and, and just, you know, not really existing, you know, or wanting to exist, but imagine feeling like that as a kid, you know, and, and everybody's calling, telling you to wear dresses, you know, trying to have you play with dolls and, and, you know, and, and asking you about boyfriends when you're not at all interested in boys, um, you know, and you hate your body for turning into a woman, you know, or, or a male for that matter, you know, a man. Um, I can't imagine having that feeling. And then parents that don't understand and think it's a phase or want you to get therapy or, or trying to, um, even, you know, a lot of these kids are subject to abuse, you know, or even sexual abuse, you know, where, you know, people can be really harsh and, and, you know, you think, you know, they, they get beat up or in um, the teens, it's like, you think you, you know, want to be with, you know, you think you want to be a woman or I'll show you what a woman is or, you know, just really terrible, terrible things that these people go through. So that's, that's why, you know. Yeah, no, I was, I mean, I just, I don't remember a time in the past where that was a prevalent thing like you didn't you didn't like young kids like that would i mean that's like you don't hear about that you know what i mean right. it doesn't it, it's and so i mean what's the correlation you know is it is it social media is it uh i mean there's a i think it's I know internet I know for girls there at the time there was a, a correlation around the time that the smartphone came out was around that that's when you know uh suicides in young girls rose right around that time wow. when when both of them you know what i mean so it had to be the smartphone and and social media play a part right. in that but bullying. i mean it's, yeah yeah bullying too and so yeah i i mean i i have a trans sibling mm -hmm. and you know, I, I, it's, it's not so much that I don't understand it. I, I, I get it. Yeah. It would be a lot easier if, um, if, if 
just gay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it, it, we, it's easier to understand different attraction, but transgender doesn't have to do with attraction. Mm. You know, you can be transgender and know it before you have any interest in any sexual interest in anybody or romantic interest in anybody. And it's more about your own body and, and, you know, aligning your mind and your heart and your soul with what is on the outside. That's yeah. more transgender. Whereas, you know, the other, you know, LGB, uh, you know, Q, I guess, um, you know, all have to do with who you're attracted to more or less. And a lot of um, transgender people doesn't necessarily mean you are attracted to the same sex or the opposite sex. They can also be, you know, gay or lesbian or, you know, but that transgender sort of, that's the, that's the label, you know, and it doesn't have anything to do with who they're attracted to. And, you know, you mentioned that you, you kind of understand with your sibling, but, um, I think that just like, you know, just like giving birth, just like being truly in love, just like pain, you know, things you can't fully understand unless you live it. So, you know, we can't, we can't fully understand that unless we know it from within ourselves, even if you're, you know, great friends with a transgender person or you have a transgender family member or a loved one, you might understand to the as much as you can, but you know, you can't really yeah. fully understand until you're in it, until it's part of you. And, and, you know, if it's not, then it's not. And there's also, you know, differences in, in, in like how far you go with it too. You know what I mean? Right. Do, you, do you go and you get the operation and, you know, mm -hmm. go, I mean, you know, are you committed? <laughs> that's how, that's what, that's, that's how I, I look at it as, Yeah. you know what I mean? If you're yeah. gonna, if this is where you're going to go, mm -hmm. then by not going all the way, you're, how committed are you? I think it has to, there's a couple things about that with, first of all, a big issue is money for a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not just one surgery. You know, it's not just either top or bottom or both. There's a lot of surgeries involved with, you know, changing your whole body to the other gender. There's a lot of surgeries involved. Um, and it costs a lot of money. And some insurance pay for some of it, and some of them don't pay for any of it. And that's a big issue. Um, but another thing is, I think that there are non-binary folks that, you know, there's, there's all these labels. And it's hard to know. I mean, I think so, you know, with the example of, you know, male, you know, female to male. So if you have, you know, if you first are, you know, you're female, you're attracted to women, but you don't really feel like you're a part of the lesbian community, um, then you kind of realize, oh, there's this transgender thing. I definitely feel more male. I identify more with males and I feel more male. And, um, and you, you know, take hormones is like the first thing people do, you know, or they start dressing more, you know, and integrating with that, that um, gender community. Um, so and that's, that's a cross-dresser, right? Well, I guess it, I guess it would be considered a cross-dresser, except for these people don't feel like they're, you know, they're, they're not fully a woman or they're not fully a man. So they don't feel like they're cross-dressing. They feel like they had been cross-dressing before, you know. Huh. 
but um, but if you so if confusing. you taking some hormones or and you start integrating into the community um, of mostly cisgendered whatever gender you feel more aligned with within yourself, um, that could feel like enough for you to feel okay. Now I feel much better about myself. I feel much more like I know myself. And it doesn't necessarily mean I need to have, you know, bottom surgery or top surgery or whatever. There are transgender males that have given birth because they still have the uterus. They still have the vagina. They still have all those, you know, all those female organs, but they still feel more male and they will take male hormones except for, (laughs) bless you. Thanks. I had to put the put the mute on. That's no, a cough. That won't, it, yeah, it's the cough from from mm. getting sick with COVID over the oh. over the holidays. It's just lingering. It won't go away. Uh, yeah, I couldn't tell if you sneezed or coughed. So, <laughs> but um, so so there are men, transgender men, that have given birth and they feel like you know it's it's the best of both worlds. You know, they can still parent their own their own child and um and have the equipment to have their own baby and have that experience giving birth but then after their pregnancy then they can go back to their male hormones and continue that process and and there's you know there's a few of men like that trans men like that now so it's kind of amazing and and one of the things that um you know i think and and i'm pretty sure lona feels this way too but i'm not I'm not positive, but, um, and other people are saying it as well, but I kind of feel like it's part of the evolving of humans is getting rid of these labels, like the non-binary, you know, we don't have to be so defined, you know, where we are. And I think that, um, there's definitely people like myself, you know, like I said, I feel fully comfortable being female and I always have, it's never been an issue or, or a question for me. But then there's so many people that don't feel comfortable within, you know, their gender, but they identify as gay or lesbian, you know, and maybe not transgender or non-binary, but this is where it's heading, you know, because like you said, more and more kind of being open, but it's not a new thing. It's just more and more are feeling support because they're finding other people on social media or just online more support groups and more people like them, you know, so they realize they're not alone. They realize there's not something wrong with them, you know? Yeah, no, I remember watching, uh, who's the Jenner. Um, Oh yeah. He had that show, the, the show, their own, his own, her own show. Mm -hmm. And I remember that there was a, an old cross dresser on there or trans woman that was you know way goes way back i mean i know this isn't a new thing this isn't a new thing it's been around Mm -hmm. uh for for quite some time there's always been folks that that you know identify that way and and you know didn't come out and were you know for obvious reasons you know right it's dangerous for uh some of these folks you know depending on the area that they live in exactly um, yeah especially how they have to sometimes make money uh on the on the market and the sexual you know what i mean yeah basically uh turning tricks 
mm-hmm. and you know getting beat up that way or right. you know so i mean i my my uh, sister has uh she works with uh that community quite a bit when she was living down here before she went to uh sacramento and works for the state now but she was doing a lot of work in the hiv uh community in the aids yeah. community especially back when it was uh you know a big thing <clears throat> yeah. gotten a little bit of control over it although yeah. i heard there was a aids breakout somewhere maybe in minnesota or missouri mm-hmm. or someplace that starts mm-hmm. with an m <laughs> one of those m places yeah yeah I, I can't remember which one it was but i know that uh i was like an aids but an aids break what yeah. the what yeah i heard i haven't i haven't heard heard that heard that in a i long know time. i know yeah because <clears throat> hiv is no longer you know a death sentence it doesn't turn into aids you know you're not going to just go from hiv to aids to die you know that yeah. doesn't really happen anymore not and they also country. they also don't have azt anymore azt which was a, which was a toxic drug that was killing people yeah terrible, uh, terrible. part of that cocktail and, and that was fauci's first round right right <laughs> yeah that's a little bit of history yeah, yeah a little I know, bit of history I know. for you guys medical history um so yeah i mean we're at 47 minutes so why don't you go and, and let everybody know where they can find your book and and where they can find you and if they if yeah. you want yeah thank plug you. yourself Um, Well, you can find my hypnotherapy um, website at hypnobreakthrough.com. And I'm all over social media with my hypnotherapy. It's Breakthrough Hypnotherapy. And they all have the same um, profile picture, the same logo. It's, you know, um, it says um, holistic deep mind healing. That was what it says on the logo. But it's Breakthrough Hypnotherapy on all the, um, on all social media and um, the book, if you put my name in the search bar of Amazon, that's easier than trying to put the title in there. So just Pamela Topchian or Pamela M. Topchian. And, um, and it's in, on Kindle. It's on Kindle Unlimited also. And then it's paperback, too. Hmm. So, um, yeah. So you can and put my all, name in all there. Of- yeah, and all of your your links and everything will be in the show notes in the description. Great. So I'll load Great, all those you. up as well. <clears throat> awesome. Well, Pamela, I definitely appreciate you coming on the show. And, thank you so much for having me. And thanks for being a fan of this show. Absolutely. I, I definitely appreciate the support. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So great. So great. Thank and, you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Anytime you, if you got a show that you need, you want me to come on, uh, whatever you guys are doing, I did okay. I ever go on loan it. Did I ever go on Lona's show her, the recovery one or do we, I don't know. I'm if not we ever... sure. We have to ask if you went on recovery soul food, you should though. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if it ever made it back around. Cause I know we were supposed to, mm-hmm. she came on, he came on mine and then I was supposed to go on that one, but I'm, dude, I've been on so many shows. I, I can't remember yeah. if I did or not. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I'll ask. I'll ask him if you have been yet or just go through the show anyway and see. I don't, I don't recall. I know, I know that he was on yours. Yeah. I don't know if you were on either one of his, but yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I can't remember. I don't think so though. I don't think (laughs) it ever made it back around, but yeah, I'm going to have to revisit that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Awesome, Pamela. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for giving me your time. And I definitely appreciate it. And hopefully we'll talk soon. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks. All right, Pamela. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, there you go. That's a uh, definitely interesting hypnotherapy. I tried it for, like I said, we, I tried it for 15 minutes and <clears throat> I think I was just, uh, like she said, I was just thinking too much. It probably. <clears throat> I definitely uh, <clears throat> don't like to, uh, I, I don't like to not feel like I'm in control of something. So that probably had a lot to do with it. <clears throat> but um, all the, just all the, the, the links and everything else will be in the description, uh, when I, when this comes out and yeah, so not much else to say, uh, keep it 100, stay true to yourself. Everything else is just noise. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.